0: You're listening to The Kylo Show, a podcast about how to keep your love on no matter what and why whole healthy families are going to save the world. We're continuing our parenting series, applying the five Kylo principles to your parenting. And just a reminder, even if you don't have children at home, these episodes are going to be incredibly helpful as they look at our relationship with our own parents, with authority and with God himself. This week, Danny and Brittany unpack Kylo Principle number two, love over fear, and it starts right now.
1: Welcome to the Kylo Show. <laughs> here we are. We are making some momentum here. I yeah. mean, we're like trekking. This is.
2: We're like 15 in or 16 something. in or something. We're like...
1: This is, this is awesome.
2: This is awesome.
1: I've heard lots of fun things. People seem to be loving it. They like how you and I interact.
2: We might just keep
1: coming back. We might just keep doing this, yeah. guys. Yeah. Well, today's episode is still on parenting. Mm-hmm. We are still talking about parenting, but we're just like always bringing in those five principles. Mm-hmm. So this one is love over fear.
2: Second principle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Number two, in case you don't remember, the first one is about being powerful And then love over fear, which is where we are today. Pick
2: your counselor.
1: Uh Mm -hmm. And then pursuit of connection, respectful communication, and forever and always boundaries. I feel like we would end on boundaries just to like hold out on everyone. They're like, when are you going to get to So they keep coming back. Yeah, maybe that's it. That's that's the trick, guys. Suspenseful ending. No. But yeah, we are going to be talking about love over fear in parenting, which I think is um, appropriate. Yeah. Because I think that comes up um, probably more often than we want to admit, maybe, mm-hmm. in parenting.
2: I think my generation inherited the spirit of intimidation mm-hmm. as the primary parenting tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, do it or else. And or else was never a cookie. No. No, no. <laughs> it was always, uh, I will hurt you. Yeah. And that those were the early years of, of my childhood. And then... My parents were, you know, they were raised on a similar recipe. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: I think my generation has swung to the other side Mm -hmm. a little bit. You know, um, let's be happy, positive, and not confronting.
2: And who are we to expect something from Uh, children? Mm -hmm. Exactly.
1: And Mm -hmm. so we'll just let it go crazy and hope for the best.
3: Mm.
1: So we got to find a happy Happy medium here, a heavenly. Yes, that is a, a better approach. A heavenly solution. That's that's what we're trying to accomplish for for this uh, parenting segment that mm-hmm, we're doing. But mm-hmm. really, I think you know you talked about this before and last episode. But um, just you know, loving your kids on purpose is such a um, a powerful book that's kind of taking you through your view of God mm-hmm. as the Father, and a lot of people that you know, read that aren't necessary parents, Mm -hmm. and they have been uh, confronted in a good way and challenged, and some uh, views of different things changed. But I think that that is really when we think about parenting and love and fear, I think our view of the Heavenly Father gets in there.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it can't can't help it. It, You know, um, Jesus said, you know, if you see me, Mm -hmm. you see my Father. Well, that's exactly what happens for all of us. When we do anything, I see who is the primary character shaper and value shaper in your life. So when you see me spending money, you see my father. When you see me interacting with my wife, you see my father. When you see me parenting, you see my father. And it all comes from what I think he thinks about those areas of my life, and then I live them, mm-hmm. subconsciously or consciously, deliberately or accidentally. Yeah, I'm going to put on display really the core of my character.
3: Hmm.
1: You know, I I um I read a book called "14 uh, Gospel Principles of Parenting," and. Um, David Paul Tripp, I believe, is who wrote that. Um, but he just, one of the big things he talks about, because I think for me, the the fear piece comes in when I'm looking at parenting sometimes because I feel this pressure mm-hmm. of, you know, God's entrusting me with these kids. I got to do it right. I got to mm-hmm. do it well. I got to mm-hmm. do it. You know, so it's this panic, which then comes into control, which then has this fear. But reading that book, one of the biggest things he talks about is really remembering that we're ambassadors mm. and we're ambassadors of heaven and that these little people are, are really on the loan mm. and that they're God's children and that they've been entrusted. And so the process of really kind of living in this place of partnership with heaven instead of anxiety mm-hmm. of heaven.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that's that was one of the big things that helps me kind of adjust the view set of like, oh, this is a partnership with you, Lord, more mm. than ever. And again, my makeup is a, a one on the Enneagram, a high D, high C. I've got the I in there for sure, but just that need to do it right does drive my fear mm-hmm. towards doing this well, mm-hmm. which then sometimes includes some punishment when I'm scared.
2: Mm-hmm. And uh, And, it, and it, it, there's so much driving that, and... When I think about um, how liberating a relationship with God is intended to be, mm-hmm. like he, like he, he is truth, and truth sets you free. Yeah, the the which means that you are whether you like it or not, you are very self-directed in your interactions with God. Hmm. So much so that. Um, the first two humans fall away.
1: Yeah, God's kids.
2: God's, God has two kids, and they both quit going to church. You know? Yeah. And the fall of man. And they introduce the perversion of how anybody sees the Father and mess things up for a really long time. And God still pursues them.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. heaven has a church split maybe one of the biggest church splits ever (laughs) why because god is a god of freedom
3: Mm -hmm.
2: and and you cannot have you cannot have peter james and john in your in your disciples unless you allow for a judas
1: which nobody wants to talk about. I know. This is the crazy, <laughs>
2: this is the hard, hard, hard part of, of yeah. parenting, mm-hmm. is that we are going to have five children, and they'll all be named Jesus. <laughs> yeah, all of them. Jesus one, Jesus two, Jesus. They're all Jesus. Like, well, good luck with that. But that's, an, that's an unrealistic expectation, because you do not control mm-hmm. what they do in their real freedom, not freedom that you allowed them to have, they have it. Yeah, you know that toddler is
1: <laughs> powerful. <laughs> telling you what's up,
2: not because you taught them to do that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Your your seven year old's lying to you, not because you taught them that. Mm-hmm. Your twelve year old is beating up your eight year old, not because you taught them that.
1: Right.
2: You have to teach them to not mm-hmm. do these things. Right. Right. And because they're free.
1: And I think, you know, in this place of being fearful that you're going to produce, you know, I think that's the thing is that I look at you as a reflection of me. Yeah. And I take personal all the failure, all the poor choices, or all the messes.
2: So hard not to do.
1: and But that is where this place of fear and control and punishment sets in, which we... Like to call discipline, but I think a lot of times it's really punishment, and there's not always a clear understanding of the discipleship, discipline versus control and punishment, mm-hmm. because that's what we think that we're doing, but we're not because we're taking it so personal and we are freaked out. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like.
2: Yeah, uh, the basic difference is that punishment is an effort to control,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and discipline is an effort to create learning. Mm -hmm. So uh, discipline has the word disciple hidden inside, which is learner.
3: Yeah.
2: So a disciple in your life is someone who is really watching, taking notes, and learning what they see and then putting it into practice. But that's all an act of their own free will. Yeah. Whereas punishment, you have to have, really, uh, think about the ultimate punishments are prisons. Yeah. So you're here to be punished, which means there's walls, there's bars, there's guards, there's beatings, there's suffering. That is punishment. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to teach you a lesson, boy, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: is actually you should be discipling then. Yeah. Because the lesson that they're learning as being punished is shame. Mm. And then how to hide their life from you and from themselves and then get caught in a cycle of anxiety, punishment and shame and live there for the rest of their life.
1: So is there a part of with discipline and punishment in punishment? Is there like with the context of parenting? If I don't give a choice and I just, you know, say a bad behavior happens and you're getting a spanking, if there's no choice, is that automatically punishment?
2: Well, it's a, it's a reaction.
1: Mm-hmm. Or
2: it, it's a reaction of me feeling out of control. And so me introducing violence intimidates.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And it makes you timid.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And it, and it feeds my illusion that I'm back in control.
1: So that's like one route to be paying attention. And then the discipline or discipleship, there is a choice. Even what if there's still a spanking on this side? Mm-hmm. But there's still a choice on the way over there.
2: Well, I mean, if you introduce a spanking into freedom, then it's because that, that person is out of control. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you, if you violently go in and get someone, it's because they are not going to leave a dangerous situation. So uh, they're standing in a burning building, and they are not paying attention. You're screaming at them, and they won't come out. And so you run in, and you grab them, and they start fighting you. And so you put them in a headlock, and you drag them out on the lawn. Yeah. They can thank you later, but you weren't punishing them. Mm-hmm you are actually saving them from a terrible situation. So if you introduce that kind of force with someone and invade their freedom, it's it's really to rescue them from something that mm-hmm. is gonna lead them to destruction.
1: Yeah, okay. I just like the clear roads of, you know, for parents, is there a choice, is there not a choice? Because I think that's how I look at a lot of with my, if I'm on the road to punishment, where was my choice, Brittany? Did you have a choice in there? Mm -hmm. I didn't have a choice. Why didn't you have a choice? What is it you're trying to accomplish? That's usually my thought process process to figure out, like, am I partnering with fear, anxiety, and control and introducing punishment to the situation?
2: Yeah, I mean, somebody sitting in a jail cell Mm -hmm. classically thinks, why am I being punished? When there's about 10 red lights that they went through. Right. To get to a jail cell, mm-hmm. they could have turned left or right at any of those lights, and they just kept yep, going. going yeah, like okay, this is this is a tough spot. This is a tough consequence mm-hmm. that you have w- created. You you've produced on the on a series of escalating poor choices. Yeah, you ended up in a cage.
3: Yeah, like
2: dang. That's, that's a rough spot, you know, and, and some people want to blame it on the man, blame it on the system, blame it on your mom, blame it on your finances, blame it on something, rather than say, I had two choices, I chose poorly, mm-hmm. and I thought it should have worked out, and it didn't, and now I'm looking for somebody else to blame, Yeah. and that's a powerless person and that's the, that's the downside of a punishment cycle is that you train people that they're victims because
3: mm-hmm.
2: they are, in a sense. I mean, when somebody's beating you up and you're little,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you are being victimized. yeah, you know you, you can't defend yourself, uh, and so you do believe at, at a core level that you're powerless, and you have to unlearn that, to, to step back into, uh, oh, I'm going to repeat these." cycles because I keep entering abusive cycles because it feels normal. It yeah. feels le- something I know. I, I have a skill set to deal with being victimized.
1: Yeah. So how do you get out of the fear cycle into having, inserting love instead of fear as a parent? Because um, we've got to land on some hope here. you know. Gotta, yeah, yeah.
2: Well, <laughs> it starts with I control me. I don't control my mm-hmm. child. It starts with, uh, what am I going to do with that disrespect? What right. am I going to do with that irresponsibility? What am I going to do to empower my child mm-hmm. to learn to take responsibility for their choice yeah. by having learned that I'm a powerful person and I have choices and I can discipline or I can punish? Mm-hmm. What am I going to do?
1: Right. Well, I love that, you know, we're talking about this and it's getting intense, which is great because that's what people love at the Kylo (laughs) show, I feel like. Um, But if you want more, like, this type of topic and in more parenting examples, Seth Dahl and I have a podcast called Mm. Coffee Kits and Crazy. And so that is another resource for you if you haven't heard of that. Um, Seth Dahl um, was a children's pastor for years that I worked with almost eight years, something like that, the two of us. And we have a, just a, Really fun relationship dynamic back and forth. We do conferences together. So check that out if you want some more on the same topic. But we are going to move into our questions. Okay. Are you ready? Oh, good. I'm excited. They're going to be
0: fun. Do you want more practical applications and real-life examples for raising powerful, loving children? Then you need Brittany's podcast with Seth Dahl, Coffee, Kids, and Crazy. You can subscribe to Coffee Kids and Crazy at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or watch it on the Loving On Purpose YouTube channel. It is super helpful and really fun, so go do that right now.
1: All right, so we're gonna take some questions. Great. And our first one comes from Laura.
2: Laura, hi Laura.
1: Hi, my name is Laura, and I was wondering if you could give me some advice on how to help my four-year-old son, he's almost five, He's been scared of ghosts and being alone and I'm not sure how to help him with this. Any specific language or phrases um, that I could use to comfort him or help him walk through this um, would be appreciated. Thank you. Well I had a Seth and I talked about this on our podcast so mm. if you want more uh, I don't know that I'll say the exact same thing here but that's a coffee kids and crazy check that out. But what I would say to Laura is I remember – do you remember when Lincoln would sleep in his doorway? Mm -hmm. He would not sleep Mm -hmm. in his bed or even in his room. He'd sleep in the doorway because he was afraid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he would always want to sleep in the girl's room. And we just kept, you know, chasing after, (laughs) you know, can I sleep in your bed? No, you can sleep on the floor in in the hallway there um, or you can sleep in your bed, you know. But it was – that he had some nightmares, there were some things there, but you know, we Addie used to deal with more night terrors, and um, really what we just did with her was empowered her to call the hosts of heaven and all the angels and the Holy Spirit. So, I mean, that was really our language for her, was kind of giving her examples of scary situations. I remember talking to her about Daniel and Leinstein, which we should have probably done not before bedtime. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't recommend it there. So do it maybe later in the day. But just talking about how, um, you know, Daniel's relationship with the Lord gave favor to this situation and and what happened. And so, you know, teaching them to be a powerful person with their relationship with the Lord um, and inviting the Holy Spirit in... Asking good questions of, you know, with Lincoln, I remember asking him, um, you know, who's the most strong, powerful person you could think of? And at the time, he was into superheroes. Mm. So Spider-Man. Okay. So we said, okay, well, think of Spider-Man, but like Jesus. And he was like, oh, my goodness. And he's like, what would that even be like? So then we just started dreaming if Jesus was like Spider-Man, what all could he do? He could not just climb on buildings, that he could walk on water. I mean, so we just went on and on and on about this amazing person. And then we talked about how easy it is for Lincoln to have access to Jesus and would anything want to take on Jesus Mm. Spider-Man. And so creating this what feels like tangible world for them in a a way that they can relate it and see it um, or believe in it was probably the biggest place that we found victory over um, nighttime just bad dreams or just fear of the dark and stuff like that.
2: So, so did uh, allowing Lincoln to sleep in the hallway outside his sister's room for ever a year, Yeah, did that damage his childhood psyche?
1: Well, he sleeps in his room now with the light <laughs> off, so I don't think so. I think that, you know— it was more, I, putting him in our room wasn't an option. Yeah. And so trying to protect Ben and I's space um, and trying to make him feel powerful with choices, um, but not, you know, it was a, I'm going to say goodnight. I'm gonna, you're powerful. You can do this, buddy. Just ask Jesus to come. I mean, we did have some pushback on you go find Jesus
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, as your comforter here. And so there was some big empowerment from us with that. But, no, there was no damage I think has come from it because, again.
2: And if you couldn't find Jesus, he would go find Addie. Yeah. yeah. And,
1: and Addie would sing to him.
2: And Addie would send him out of her room.
1: Yes, that
3: too. she
2: said, you can't sleep in my bed. You can sleep by my door. Yes. <laughs> and so there was a blanket <laughs> outside of Addie's door. For and a long time. Uh, it was, uh, I remember it. Almost two years of that.
1: I know he was. It was this one house we were in. He did it for the longest time.
2: He Uh, had the biggest room of the three of them, (laughs) and he slept outside their
1: doors (laughs) because he couldn't go in. They weren't allowed him in. So they were like, "No, Uh they are." But no, there's no damage. And I think you know, he just the he's doing taekwondo, and so the thing that's I've seen manifest since that practice with him of empowering him to be. You know, a powerful person and find Jesus is he was sparring with a kid and it was overwhelming. He's like, I just, I just remember that Jesus is with me, you know. And so he's crying on the mats, overwhelmed. But then he's like, but I remember Jesus is with me, so I'm okay. Hmm. You know. So here's the fruit years later. Training. Yeah. Training. So that's what I would do, Laura. Yep. Again and
2: again.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Our next question comes from Grace.
4: Hello, um, this is Grace, and we have a three-year-old, so we are going through the 3 stage very much. So, and we're doing our best to be consistent with, you know, routines and. Discipline and all of that. Um, my question is How do you know when it is appropriate to spank versus, say, like time out or taking a toy away or something like that? So, when is it appropriate or necessary to spank versus time out or taking something away? <laughs>
1: So I think, you know, we would say the no fun chair or feel free to have this toy as soon as you're ready to be fun to be with. That would be the language I think that we would use more mm-hmm. than um, time out or taking a toy um, only because there's a, there's, I'm all about the empowerment. Mm-hmm. I'm all about offering you the opportunity to grow and learn that you're a powerful person. So I will talk to you with empowerment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I know from our three kids that Delaney was the most heavily spanked out of all of them. She probably was also the most defiant, took us to the mat in the, the three-nager say, stage in which she put that. I've never heard that one before, but that's I like that. Um, but I think the biggest part with ever introducing a spanking is the road and getting to it for me. Mm-hmm is that there are lots of opportunities for this child to be empowered with the choice that we are? they are going to manage themselves, mm-hmm. that they are going to regain control, they are going to stop. Um, most of the times for us, with a spanking for Delaney, it looked like, do you want to be fun or go to your room? Do you want to walk? Do you want me to carry you? Okay, I'll carry you, no problem. Um, oh, that's no fun— you want, want mommy to carry you a different way. Cause we don't bite, you know, there was that that happened. <laughs> um, so I'm holding her, you know, with her arms and legs in front and my arms around her belly trying. And then I switched to holding her arms more behind her and my arms behind her body because she could bite me the other way, putting her in her room. She comes out. Do you want to sit in there by yourself uh, with the door open or the door closed? Again, I am like choices galore here. Um, and the door closes because she's screaming.
2: She doesn't believe you.
1: No, that's basically the problem. She doesn't believe you. We are getting to. And um, then it's, you know, do you want me to hold the door closed until you're ready to stay in your room? And then it turns into she's kicking the door with everything that this little three-year-old has. Which, I mean, is pretty intense. I don't know if you've been on the other side of a door of a three-year-old <laughs> kicking it. And all,
2: and all our parents just skipped all this and went yeah. right to the beating.
1: Right. So then it would be, I open the door, do you want to calm down and manage yourself or do you need my help? Now, I can look at her whole life. She's almost 16 and she's never been confused with any time I asked her if she needs help that I'm going to spank her. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there right now. She's not confused. She's done a lot
2: of
3: homework. Yeah, she's yeah. figured out that in this
1: moment when we're Kicking the door like crazy. It's a do you want to calm down or do you need my help? And the first couple times it was definitely she needed my help. Mm -hmm. And so I would spank her with my hands. I would pop her on my knee and and say, Are you all done or do you need some more help? And usually she's crying.
2: And she never said,
1: I need more help. Never one time did she offer for more help. She did not take that off. But she had
2: a choice right there.: She did. She was powerful in a spanking.
1: She was. Poof.: And I think, you know, the moments where spankings have been introduced, it's the last resort. It's the last tool that I'm going to introduce because it is such a physical exchange, and I don't want it to be this fear and intimidation or threat of physical harm because I want to be done.
2: So what would you say is your goal at that moment? You you, sh- you know, she she didn't say I'm going to control myself. She's still kicking the door, she's still flipping out and you say, "Okay, here comes my help with the goal of what?"
1: The goal of her managing herself.
2: So she's out of control and your intervention is a step to help her get back to be able to think yeah. and decide again,
3: because mm-hmm.
1: there's this like I only can see red, you know, yeah. like, like they just cannot function anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a shock to the system mm-hmm. of, hey, what is going on? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think again for me, a, a spanking was um, choices, 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 defiant, defiant, defiance. defiance Choices, 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 defiance, defiance, defiance. Like I'm going after, okay, here we are. This is your, and it's in my home. Normally is the, I've got the most room for all these steps. Um, and I would strongly suggest that you practice this in your home because it is not very fun to have to do this in the grocery store. Which you can, you can definitely practice this in the grocery store with all these steps. And the very few times that I have to park my cart, I think one time, and walk her to the bathroom and do a spanking. Mm. Um, but I did it, but it was the same thing. It was choice after choice after choice in um, getting there. Uh, but I, because I, the biggest thing for me is that I want you to believe me that I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a spanking just so we get there faster. This is the last thing I want to introduce. Mm-hmm. I think that's the part of having. Patience, and the goal is for you to grow in managing yourself. I'm giving you lots of opportunities. Mm-hmm.
2: So. Yeah, and and that whole long drawn out investment quickly, yeah, comes down to you decide or I decide. Yeah, and pretty soon they say I decide every time they get that choice. It's true,
1: it really is. I mean, it at the the more they believe you. The shorter the do you want to walk? Do you want me to carry you? They're running in their room, not coming out because they start to
2: believe that they make better choices than you do.
1: <laughs> they don't like the choices so you make we, for them. That's say, the real you answer. decide,
2: or I decide, like,
1: you're terrible at deciding you for
4: are me.
2: So bad. I'm going to decide for me, exactly. Which is what you want these children to learn is mm-hmm. that they are actually the best decision makers for them than anybody else. than uh, their teacher, then mm-hmm. their spouse, then their government, then their whatever. You know, I make the best decisions. I me. will manage me. Yep. I am self-controlled, and I am responsible and respectful and loving and honoring. I make great decisions, and I learn that from home.
1: Yeah, and the great thing is that the more you do this and the more you practice I think choices, I would say, that parents get stuck on in the, you know, it's not, it's two choices. It's two different choices at that. It's not do what I say or do what I say now. You know, it really has to be two different choices. Mm -hmm. Do you want to walk or do you want me to carry you? And knowing that the boundary is you're going to be in your room because you're no fun. How we get there, I don't really care, but we're going there. That's what's happening. So,
3: yeah.
1: But these are great questions. I really did love them. Mm-hmm. Um, so keep them coming. Grace, Laura, we're with you on the battlefield.
2: <laughs> the spanking question.
1: <laughs> it always comes up. It's always... All right, well, we're gonna do a testimony now. So I can't wait for that.
0: We can't talk about parenting and not talk about Danny's book, Loving Our Kids On Purpose. If you haven't read it yet, you need to. It's like heaven's blueprint for parenting. It's gonna show you how to teach your kids to manage their freedoms and protect their most important heart-to-heart connections. So, visit the store at lovingonpurpose.com and get your copy of Loving Our Kids On Purpose today.
1: All right, so we have a testimony that comes from Julie.
0: Okay. Let's
1: see what she
4: says. Hi, my name is Julie Burns. I've been connected with Life Academy since 2016. Prior to that, I had been really crying out to the Lord and wanting um, help with relationships. There was a lot of pain in my life. I came out of a family environment that was um, emotionally and sometimes physically unsafe. Um, There was either a lot of conflict or, um, or silence and not a lot of affirmation and connection in between. And so I carried that pattern with me into adulthood and into my relationships and marriages and parenting, and just knew that this was unhealthy and uh, that this was this pattern was going to continue unless uh, something or someone changed and. So I was praying one day and asking the Lord. I think at that point I had read Danny Silk's book, um, Culture of Honor, and uh, I knew that I wanted that in my family, but I didn't know how. And so I was praying and the Lord said to me, you can pray all you want to, but as long as you continue to allow yourself to be treated this way, it's an act of your free will and I will not violate your free will. And so I knew then that I had been really enabling myself to be treated disrespectfully and a whole host of other things were happening that I was just, I was enabling by not uh, confronting it. And, um, I didn't, I just didn't have tools. So I asked the Lord to, to give me tools. And it was right after that, that Danny Silk and Sherry and Brittany and their whole team came to a town near me, um, in a conference, and so I signed up for the conference and went. And at that point, they were launching Life Academy, and I knew that the Lord had answered my prayer. That um, just what they described that day, the tools that would be given in the classes was exactly what I needed to begin to make the change. And so, right off the bat, in the relationship one hundred and one and the parenting, I, I got some concrete tools that I could implement. Um, for my family and and for myself uh, to begin to address just the fear that I had, especially for my children about, um, you know, I was parenting in fear. I didn't want them to make the same mistakes and and have the same pain that I did. And so I just began to address that. And uh, I did uh, two things uh, that were really significant. Um, On my 50th birthday, um, I asked my children to, give me a list of 50 dreams and so that I could begin to invest in those dreams both in prayer and just emotionally invest in those, um, invest it time-wise and also financially. And that exercise really uh, began to develop a heart connection that we hadn't had before. And um, I saw my children begin to dream and um, I just feel like they had permission. They felt like they had permission for me to dream and um, there, I see them all doing some great things with that still. Um, and then the other thing was, uh, establishing boundaries. And this has by far been the most challenging. I had a lot of people when, um, I stopped allowing, um, disrespectful treatment, um, depart from my life. And a lot of people just didn't understand what was the change that I didn't understand and, um, didn't want to participate in, a. Respectful, reciprocal relationship. Um, so that has been hard and there's still some healing to be done around that. But I feel like I, at least at this point, have a solid foundation to build uh, the remaining relationships on, um, continue healing. Um, and, you know, I have a goal um, of a culture of honor to build. And and I really feel like this has changed the trajectory of my family, that my children will go forward um, in a better way than I did because of the change that was made. And so I I just can't say thank you enough to uh, Danny and and Sherry and their team and the work that they did to develop these programs. And um, I hope that it blesses um, everyone as much as it has me and my family. Thank you. Boom. So fun.
2: I never get tired of hearing that right there. I love that story. (laughs) We just had, uh, Ben and I just had Julie on the uh, Life Academy Live, or the Life Academy Connects that we're doing Mm -hmm. on our Facebook page for all the... Life Academy students who've ever enrolled in Life Academy, mm-hmm. they all meet on there. And Julie was just one of the. She shared that testimony. I've heard it before, and that's fun. Um, very cool. Got to meet her on Zoom, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, she's a she's a, a courageous courageous lady.
1: Well, I love it. it. Sounds like the Lord gave her some tough love, yeah. and uh, and I I love that she responded and to that call mm-hmm. and made some changes. I think that's. It's fun to hear you know the the dreams aspect I don't know how old her kids were when she did that, but um that'd be probably a really fun thing to do with some of your older kids you know in mm-hmm. their teens ages into adults so I could see that going
3: well uh, yeah as an investment. she said
2: the the greatest reward of all these change was uh, a connection with their children again mm-hmm. so yeah. i I'm guessing they were older. at least in their teens yeah.
3: mm-hmm.
1: I think that's a, the big thing, you know, just identifying that fear feels like it can be masked in many ways. Mm-hmm. You know, um, not necessarily physical always or aggressive always. It can be passive. It can be just, you know, this underlining feel. Failure, piece, you know, it feels like fear can introduce itself into how we parent and how we love in so many different ways if we're not paying attention to it. Mm -hmm.
2: I I loved that um, she was praying, (laughs) you know, praying to the Lord, also known as whining. Yes. Oh, Lord, this is so hard. This is so terrible. Would you make it stop? Would you take it away? And the Lord says, you can pray all you want. Yeah, but if you keep doing the same thing over and over and requiring nothing but what you're doing right now you're going to keep getting what you're getting right now Mm -hmm. I don't know if the Lord pulled that AA thing on her but (laughs) hey baby if nothing changes (laughs) nothing changes I think that, that moment of personal responsibility uh you know, to stop blaming it on the on the bad guy mm-hmm. and on the rescuer to fail to rescue her. She got out of victim mode, out of powerless mode, yep. stepped into taking responsibility for her. Right. Not trying to change her marriage and or her husband and not trying to change the Lord. Yeah. But she's decided, I'm gonna change me mm-hmm. and see All that opens up, and she ends up with a completely different life.
1: Yeah. Well, I think a mom always says, everywhere you go, there you are. Mm -hmm. And um, if where you are you don't like, maybe you should change who you are. Yeah. You know, and I think that's really what it sounds like she did Mm -hmm. she started changing who she was, um, her belief system, which we've talked about before, Mm -hmm. and facing that fear head on and really changing everything across the board, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, I, I can't imagine what it. Looks like to to live maybe most of your life not feeling connected to your kids and then to feel like uh, a switch or a, a corner turns, and you know there is this this hope and this redeeming um, outcome mm-hmm. for this relationship that's got to feel so good. and I think that's a lot of parents out there that struggle with that same just heartbreak.
2: yeah, I, I think a lot of people parents included, don't realize how draining it is to be around powerless people. Mm. You know, Unless I'm willing to just be a codependent enabler who tries to control that parent's happiness,
3: mm.
2: I'm going to reject that relationship just to protect myself from being sucked dry, yeah. from the constant... Uh, irresponsible requests of taking care of me, mm-hmm. making make me happy, make me look good, make me successful, and that those children, shoom, they just they get away from that as fast as they can, mm-hmm. and and unfortunately, a lot of parents learn that much later. Like what went wrong and what happened, and it isn't until they go through some sort of counseling, uh, they get out of a super disf- dysfunctional, abusive relationship. Um, they go through a rehab of some sort that they reemerge and say, Can we have a do over?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And the kids go, Yeah, I've always wanted a
3: parent.
1: Yeah. I think um, you've said before it's called parenting, not childing, mm-hmm. you know, which means so much is required of us being the parent.
3: Yeah,
2: like 99.9% yeah. <laughs> of it. Yeah. Yes.
1: It is all. It's all what's required from this parent and and doing this. But again, I I love Julie's idea of the dreams. I think that's such a great place to start. Um, you know, because I think about and having a, any kind of a, attention in a relationship to go back humbly and to serve. Mm-hmm. That's really what it sounds like she did.
2: And you know that her children learned growing up around her in that in that scared controlling mode and religious you know mm-hmm. religious scared controlling mode those children grew up with an expectation yeah their parents had an a rigid expectation of what these people could do to be successful mm-hmm. so for her to come back and to say yeah what are your dreams how right. can i help you get there how can i empower you yeah. in freedom that lit those kids up like mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, nothing. It would have been know. fun to be at that dinner table. <laughs> Julie, walk us through it. How did you do it? Can we? What were the looks on their faces? You know. And then I think there's one thing of you know we'll see how this goes, but then the first step of you know either prayer or just even her interests and in, in their and then the financial piece, whatever that looked like. But I think you know that had to that that just was like gasoline to the the flame with her actually. Not just inviting it, but then activating it and putting actions to it is probably mm-hmm. something that was mm-hmm. so beautiful for her yeah. family, which is really fun. Yeah, way to go, Julie! I think you you uh, you chased away something that was trying to claim as your family, and you said, "No, nope, not today."
2: And the and the hard, the hard part is the things that did not go well, which is what we're all afraid of. This is why we don't set boundaries, not because we're afraid of what happened to you, we're afraid of what will happen to us. Yeah. And, and what's happening to us right now is I'm being punished mm. by your rejection. I'm being punished by your disrespect. I'm being punished by your distance. Um, and I didn't think I would survive that. But yeah. it's becoming less powerful the more I build a life, mm-hmm. the more I take my focus off of what I can't control about you and what I can control about me, which is I love you. Yeah. Um I pray for you. Uh, I I I'm gonna build a future that I wanna live in. Mm-hmm. And I feel powerful in doing that. But that painful initial explosion of you did not like me no longer playing the game. Mm-hmm. That's real. It's real, and it's very scary, and that's that's why so many people just live a lifetime in crazy codependency.
1: Hmm. Well, I mean, as we come to a, a close of our parenting segment with you know love over fear, mm-hmm. I think the you know things to think about is really um, where can there be empowerment. You know, and where can you decrease the fear and increase the love? Mm -hmm. You know, where are you reacting instead of responding? That ownership piece of what am I believing to be true about how I'm meant to parent, how I see the father, and how is that influencing what I'm bringing to this parenting dynamic? I think those are all really big things to to be paying attention um, so that you can create and grow a healthy family that is thriving and going to help save the world. Sure. Cause I think that is the ultimate goal. So go be a parent that is one that empowers. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what that looks like, then maybe stop and look at the heavenly father and says, how does he empower you? Mm-hmm. Um, take some tips from him. He's usually pretty good at that. He is. So, well, thank you so much for joining us on the Kylo show and remember that whole healthy families are going to save the world.
0: Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us next week when Danny and Brittany talk about how to build lasting heart-to-heart connections. Never miss an episode by subscribing to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or watch us at the Loving on Purpose YouTube channel. Also, please remember to send your questions and testimonies to thekyloshow.com. The Kylo Show was produced by Ali Armading, co-produced by Ashley Beck, Leah Alexander, Anna Hill, and Sherry Silt sound engineer and edited by Taylor Silk and show promoter Christian Zamora. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.